0: Hi everyone, my name's Steve Tudor and welcome to The Friday Show. It's a show that's gone to ruin since its handsome former host moved across to the Premier League podcast. There are Kit Kat rappers strewn on the floor and I don't even want to know what's lurking in the corner, but I think it's breeding. On today's show we've got World Cup Fever, on the cusp of the greatest show on earth unveiling its shiny wares in a desert state the size of Yorkshire, there's scorching hot weather in midwinter and an utterly appalling human rights record. It's football, Jeff, just not as we know it. Still, England can maybe put an end to fifty six years of hurt, while Wales strive to replicate their boys of fifty eight. Ultimately, of course, Brazil or Germany will take the trophy home, as they usually do. There is therefore a lot to get through, so let's introduce my guest today. First off, I'm delighted to be joined by a Zico of the Airwaves. It's Howard. (laughs) Hi Howard. Hello.
1: (laughs) Good morning. You, You well? Yeah. Yeah, not bad. It's Friday, is it not? So, yeah, yes, I, that was quite a nasty description of Yorkshire there. Didn't know they had a terrible human rights record. He's <laughs> <laughs> know know very mild for the time of year, so I'll give you that one. Gen- genuinely,
0: Qatar is the same size as Yorkshire, yeah. or at least the um, the distance between the furthest stadiums is pretty much kind of, um, yeah, leads to Bradford and, and so
1: forth. It, it's wow. kind of staggering, the, really. The next one's Mexico, USA and Canada, so... <laughs> some air miles yeah. being yeah, clocked up there, weren't there, so. From the ridiculous
0: to the sublime, yeah, yeah, yeah. in terms of distance, yeah. Uh, we're also joined today by a man who is equal parts trivia and substance. It's journalist and author Richard Foster. Hi, Rich, you there?
2: Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so a combination of trivia and substance. I hope I live up to that um, <laughs> heady description. Well, we'll... C-
0: I want to come to your uh, World Cup book towards the end of the pod and, of course, your other books. And I think it's something that you do so exceedingly well, if I may say so. You kind of, it's very informative and educational, a lot of substance there. But there's also some, well, the clues in some of the titles, World Cup nuggets. There's some nuggets there, absolute gems of kind of a little bit of trivia which you take with you. So, um yeah, if you take the compliments, I think you do that exceedingly well.
2: You're you're allowed to say that. I'll I'll let you get away with that. <laughs> uh, that's that's the only one though. Um, as um, Andy Brassel, who I think we all know, has said, it's it's World Cup nuggets is great because it's a sort of information you can go down the pub and impress exactly. your mates. Yeah,
0: well, uh, that's all we want basically. For me personally, I don't. I'm not a learned gentleman. I just want info to impress my mates down the pub. So that's perfect yeah. for me. Um, let's get straight to it. And where better place to start than England. How would I start with you as regards to the makeup of the squad? Are there any weaknesses there? Do you think?
1: defense. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Uh, Is Harry Maguire playing? Uh, Does it matter? I obviously with 26 players, it gave a bit of wiggle room for Gareth Southgate. The announcement of the squad wasn't particularly controversial. Was it? Uh, Obviously, everyone's got their like. Oh, he should have gone instead of him, but there was no glaring emissions. No, I just think. I mean, defence. Obviously, Reese James is out. Carl Walker's in a race to be fit. Chilwell's out, is he not? So the fullbacks that were stacked, or you know, aren't the best. But it's central defence. I would say it's not the best, really, is it? I mean, I think yeah. We we both think the Stones is a world class defender, but. He's got to have someone alongside him. Stones and McGuire has worked before. Don't know if we're playing back three, which means makes it even more troublesome if we do in certain games. There's just not a lot there for me in defence. Mm. I don't know. Does it matter that much the way he sets up? And we'll come to that. Might not matter. It's not the end of the world. But yeah, you know, the odd injury here and there, we could be quite short in that area. And as for you know, the goalkeeper behind him, look, Pickford as well, never let England down, really. I'm not sure I'll ever be fully persuaded by him. Yeah, I've been looking at some of the guides for other countries, and you think some of the standard of goalkeeping. We don't, it's not quite a golden age, I don't think, for England at the moment. So Mm. I think it does influence how Gareth Southgate plays. And I think, yeah, defence could be an issue uh, for us during during the tournament. Yeah, I think
0: if. An injury should befall Luke Shaw, then England are very short left. Back. I know Kieran Trippier can move across, but that's mm. hardly ideal. And I was surprised he didn't take a Cessinon, for example, or even a, a Rico Henry. Uh, and yeah. with twenty six players to choose from, uh, you would have thought you'd go for two specialist left backs. But um, Rich, any kind of weaknesses on your part, and any strengths that jump out at you? What you know, where England are particularly strong in comparison to their peers?
2: Yeah, I agree uh, with Howard about the weaknesses. How- Harry Maguire, he, even he knows he's not in form. Um, he's just not looking the player he was even a couple of years ago. And let's face it, he did pretty well in the 2018 World Cup, I yeah. thought. Uh, and you know, he established himself, but he's gone downhill since. Uh, yeah. Obviously, you're a fan of, you're both fans of stones. I agree, but he needs someone alongside him. And that person I would suggest is not Harry Maguire. I like Cody. He's a great guy. He's not the guy either. Uh, Dyer, I don't think he's had a great season so far. So there is a bit of a gaping hole there. I thought Tamori could have been given the chance, but again, he's inexperienced. Mm. And, you know, I would throw it in. Mark Gay has been great for us, actually, uh, yeah. at Palace. But again, he doesn't probably have the experience to get through. I think Southgate... It's part of his conservative with a small C nature. He goes for people who've played well for him. He can rely on. And I also agree with you about Pickford. I think he's got a Rick in him. And, you know, we'll look at the group later. And if we think about playing the USA, we do remember Ricks by goalkeepers uh, going back 12 years to Rob Green uh, yes. against... Uh, yeah, the USA. So uh, I also don't trust Ramsdale. I think he's a bit odd. Uh, you know, we used to, he is. He's just, you know, the way he celebrates, there's something Pickford-esque about it. They get overexcited. And mm. the one thing you want from a goalkeeper is calmness. They need authority. And I just think if you're jumping around like a, you know, a hot bean in a frying pan, it doesn't exude authority. And then... You know, your defenders will think, oh, what's he on? So, yeah, I think the back is is an issue and, and, you know, the fullbacks, you know, have we got cover enough? Possibly not. But the strengths, we do have amazing young attacking players in midfield particularly. So, you know, Foden I love and you would obviously love. I think Grealish... Can do it. Uh, I do like Saka, although you know they're young players. All these boys—they do they have the consistency, and that's the problem. When you're in a World Cup tournament, you're—if you go all the way, you're playing seven games, and the the tension ratchets up every time you play a game. It's a short window, and you've got to be consistent. And what I worry about is, do we have? enough consistent players and we've got obviously the the sitting players so we've got rice we've got henderson we've got phillips again phillips only just come back from injury is he fit enough and i think fitness will be a key to this because you know, we're going in from playing the premier league up to the last weekend straight into a tournament as I say, very concentrated number of games a lot of pressure do we uh, and it's going to be hot i mean it's not going to be 40 degrees it's going to be 30 plus you need fit consistent players and i don't know whether we've we've got that and and the last thing i'll say about it is jude bellingham is a fantastic player but again he's young and putting all the pressure on him to be the guy yeah it's too much yeah he's you know mm. it just doesn't sit well with me. we need Someone sees um, and Jordan Henderson, you know, love him to bits, but he's not the guy who's going to run a midfield in a World Cup winning team. He just isn't. So he's yeah, not been great this season, has he? Anderson. No, he's been kind of... in and out of the Liverpool team, and he, he just looks like he's on his way out. I mean, he's not that old actually, but it looks like he's moving into his dotage. He's becoming, you know, the James Milner of uh, Liverpool. But um, I, I overall if we can bring those players, the Foden's, the Grealish, the Sackers, uh, to the fore, then great, but we will be covering up for a few deficiencies.
0: An interesting one for me um, is Raheem Sterling. I, I think he's been kind of woeful really this, this season. He's really struggled at Chelsea, but he's been played in different positions and just kind of looking at some of the videos leading up to the tournament. and There's one in particular, actually, I think it was Kyle Walker, uh, who said that, um, Raz has been so sharp in training, so up for it. And it could be that, that Sterling surprises us at the World Cup and really put in a, a series of performances. So that's that's one to look out for for me. Um, looking at the Group B opponents then, it's not the hardest group, all things considered. But that kind of makes it hard in itself because, I mean, the other three teams, there's just a handful of FIFA rankings that separate them. Um, Howard, would you of rather it be a much more kind of linear group where basically England are the favourite, you've got a dangerous, you know, other team, you've got a team that you'd expect to eat comfortably and then a minnow. Would you rather that than what we've got, which are basically three tricky opponents for England who are all capable of beating them?
1: No real preference, really. Uh, No, I think this is more interesting Uh, Mm. in a way. I I wouldn't take too much uh, guidance from FIFA rankings either. No, because true. I guess we play, yeah, with teams playing in completely different parts of the world. You know, I, you know I'll tell you, what, just to interject,
0: they're out, a guide, it's bloody, but they're it's not bloody, perfect. Yeah. I was going to say it's bloody handy when you have to write a series of <laughs> previews.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not saying completely ignore them, but yeah, they are a bit, <laughs> they're not everything. Uh, it's actually, the more you look at it, a more interesting group, the more, yeah. You know, I now I think I prefer it this way because you've got a bit of everything there, isn't it? You really have got a bit of everything. You've got. A local opposition for England, you know, as have Wales, of course. Then you've got mm-hmm. America, you've got Iran. It's like uh, geopolitics involved. We don't want that in football, obviously, <laughs> <laughs> but you can't avoid it. And yeah, we're either on one of those sides. They're not. They're not mugs. They're not there they're to make up numbers. They're all very different opposition. Every single team's different to each other. I think that makes for a much more interesting group. And there's about. I have very little up. You know excitement for the first round of matches. But more you read about the teams, there is about three groups like this that, you know, they're hard to call, but at least the second place is hard to call. But the first place as well isn't absolutely nailed down by one side. I think that just makes it more interesting, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because, I I don't know know, if we're going to discuss that, it's probably in England's interest to top the group. So it's probably better this way to have three troublesome opposition but ones that they should win
0: so well yeah if you look at the opening games in the last two tournaments the opening games have brought 87 goals in the two tournaments before that it's 64 goals so these kind of cagey opening games that we used to see so often in world cups aren't really so kind of prevalent and um, these days so we could see a few goals
1: yeah um, but i'll just say as well wales usa on is it monday evening Mm. that's already for me a very big and interesting game you know because of
2: course yeah
1: yeah. You know, either team wins that and they are absolute favourites to get that you know top two spots yeah but
0: it's not a spot that England ideally want. obviously they want to kind of progress through, through the group but it's so important to finish top of this group, do you think, Rich? When you look at kind of how the pathway opens up for them, should they finish top of Group B? Um, I mean, obviously, it's impossible to predict, and we don't know what's going to happen in Group A. But you'd expect more times than not for Holland to top that group, and England, obviously, if they top Group B, would avoid Holland and get Ecuador or Senegal, most likely. So topping the groups is is important, particularly important this time, maybe.
2: Yeah, uh, as you alluded to, FIFA rankings, I mean, do we trust FIFA? Probably not. Um, <laughs> no, not absolutely. But, but when you look at the rankings, <laughs> group, our group is actually the toughest because there's not one team outside the top 20. Yeah. I mean, Iran are the lowest ranked at 20, Wales 19, USA 16, somehow we're fifth. There isn't another group with – all other groups have got two teams outside the top 20. We haven't got any outside. So as Howard pointed out – they're not easy. They're not walkovers, any of these teams. Um, and Iran, we don't know a lot about, but they've got a very uh, experienced manager in Carlos Quirillas. Uh I think I USA, the yeah. they're going to be difficult because they uh, have the youngest squad in Qatar. And I, uh, as I spoke about earlier, I think fitness will be important. They've got, uh, you know... They've got some good players. Aronson's really impressed me for Leeds. Yes, yeah. Pulisic hasn't quite been on it, but then again, who has for Chelsea? Uh, They And they've got the Western McKenny, who's a good player. I mean, you don't get to Juventus. I know they're not exactly in great form, but you don't get to Juventus unless you're a pretty good player. So they've got good players, the USA. And then Wales, yeah. We don't really want battles of Britain. We don't don't want to play. That's exactly what it'll become, I believe, yeah. Home nation stuff. It's an advantage if we can get two results that we go into the Wales game not actually needing too much. And and Wales, it's a weird mix of experience. Gareth Bale, you know, who comes on as a substitute and scores last-minute winners or equalisers for LA. You've got Aaron Ramsey who played his first full game this season about a week ago you've got Joe Allen but then on the other side you've got people like Brendan Johnson who's doing all right at Forest you've got you know Dan James who could do stuff uh, you know they 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 are a, a weird mixture but as i say it's a classic cliche you know form goes out the window when you're playing against a home nation i think we definitely want to get top group because I really can't see the Netherlands not winning Group A, Yeah, particularly yeah. now is out for Senegal. Mm. I think that's a huge blow to them. Obviously, a huge blow. I feel very sorry for him. Um, Qatar and Ecuador, I can't really see it. Netherlands are good. You know, they're a strong team. And, you know, we'll come on to some of the favourites uh, of our, you know, our, our own favourites of the tournament. I think Netherlands might well be in there. So we need to top the group to really make sure we avoid the Netherlands and then who knows what our passage is, but um, th- there is absolutely no guarantee that we're going to top that group and we need to start well because if we start badly, I think, as I say, the confidence might ebb out of a, quite an inexperienced mm. team. Well, I mean, it said the importance of Wales
0: against USA to, to finish runner-up. I mean, exactly the same applies for England, Iran. It's a case of just getting the job done on Monday, 1-0, 2-0, poor performance. Yeah. doesn't matter if it's poor performance. You look back at previous tournaments, England, there's a handful of examples of you know whether well, well they underperformed in the opening ninety minutes, yeah, uh, and then went on to do well. So it's just a case of getting those three points, and that will put them in obviously poor most, position to finish most top tournaments. Degree. I think.
1: Yeah, don't know if you watch the channel for Italian ninety thing. I think. Yeah, Sky it, Sky one as well, uh, similar one, but yeah, it's
0: better Sky one. Yeah, I haven't yeah. seen that one yet. Played well yeah.
1: against the Netherlands, but it wasn't a great <laughs> group stage. Let's put it that way. And they get to no. the seven You grow into tournaments, don't you? In a way, You're yeah. A starting on draw, fire is not really that much use to you because you have to keep it going. Uh, <laughs> yes, but yeah, yeah, exactly. Was, yeah.
0: And, and so I, I'm not anticipating a great game to be honest. I've just done a preview mm. of England Iran, and I can see it being a two nil, but you know, a, a real tight, tense one. And Iran, I've got they're so well defensively, well drilled um, they're just going to be hard to break down and they do have threatening players who can hit on the counter so Um, looking at Gareth Southgate um, kind of a quick one from both of you if that's right. kind of, has it been overplayed the fact that he plays it too cautious do you think Howard Um, could it be counterproductive to have him in charge of such a young attacking group of players
1: such a tough it's, one, it's a cliche,
0: and I know, yeah.
1: I, I don't, but it's
0: I true mean, we, we discussed discussing
1: before, I don't really rate him as a manager, but and there's loads of buts and caveats. International manager, who can you get as a manager? It's not that simple, you don't just get your pick of world managers. We did get to a final and a semi final, but I think that showed his weaknesses in matches. We went into our shell after taking leads, and I think that's a huge yeah. issue in that it just did not have the confidence to believe in his team and go for it when taking the lead in big matches. And, you know, we just sat back and it was, you know, like underdogs, really, and to have a... Yeah, I Yeah, and I, I just... I don't know. I go into this one with less confidence than before. Uh, the Nations League wouldn't read too much into that. Other nations have struggled in that, you know... I, don't, I think it was badly timed, especially the summer internationals. I don't think it tells us that much about where we're at, but it, you know, it wasn't a good campaign. But that's kind of forgotten now. You just concentrate on this. He is cautious, but then we've said the defence ain't all that, so you can kind of understand it. I just think with so much talent in the forward positions, it is a bit of a shame that it feels wasted, a lot of that talent, because of how we play. But a gung ho attitude in international football in a like seven match tournament isn't the way. They're probably Mm. I mean there's different ways to win international tournaments. Look at the last, you know, Euros and World Cups, they've all been won in different ways, in different styles. And maybe if we are gonna win something, this is the way forward. But you always have that little regret that there's there's just there's more in this team. I'd rather they went for it. Not yeah. went for it Gunko, but I'd rather he did focus a bit more on attacking prowess.
0: It's interesting you see there that there's different ways of winning a tournament because Southgate has said in the past that he and his backroom staff, basically when they when they were appointed, they spent a great deal of time looking at past tournaments. Not at England, but at the, the ones who won the tournaments and how, how they went about it and the different ways to win that tournament. So it's very de- definitely a deliberate approach from the off um, to navigate their path through through tournaments rather than, you know, going for it, essentially. Um, but still, Rich, would you rather just the handbrake was let off a little bit?
2: Yeah, potentially. I mean, Southgate obviously grew up in the right place as a Palace player <laughs> uh, and, and learned all the, the proper things. I, I, <laughs> I think if you actually look at teams that win the World Cup, they generally are the teams that don't concede many goals rather than score lots of goals. So that is important. You do have to have a solid defence. You know, France were fantastic last time round, but didn't concede many goals. And, and you do have to have that solid base. I, I, And, you know, Southgate, he's taken us to a World Cup semi-final. He's taken us to a Euros final. No other manager has achieved that for England. We've never reached a Euros final before. And we've only gone to three, that's the third world cup. Final. So if you look at it just in, on plain relative performance, he's been our most successful manager, but there are lots of doubts. It seems a bit odd that lots of people think, oh, well, Southgate's, you know, he's, he's a spent force. We need to get rid of him. Um, and, and Howard's absolutely right. Both the World Cup semi-final and the Euros final, I said it to my son when we were watching both. He said, we scored far too early here because (laughs) we know what we're going to do. We are going to sit back. And in the World Cup semi-final, Modric took control of that game. You could see it coming and he just ran the show and we couldn't do anything about it. Similarly, with the Euros final against Italy, we just allowed them back in and Jorginho started doing his job. and again you could see it coming. So, okay, so we lost on penalties, but maybe when you go 1-0 up that early, you should keep pressing. My issue with Southgate is I don't feel he's got the flexibility to change things. He, he sort of sticks to a plan. Is there a plan B? I haven't seen that much evidence. And the really top international managers can change things, hmm. they'll, they'll switch things over. I haven't seen that from Southgate. I'm hoping he will be bold enough to do that. And if things, you know, you can't go through a whole tournament without things not looking a bit shaky. Yeah. So you need yeah. to be able, during those games where, you know, we're under the, the pedal a bit, is we need to be able to change things and get a bit more flexibility. I think substitutes will be very important in Qatar, yes. because again, the heat, the fitness, yeah, the injuries, definitely. We, we need to be able to bring on substitutes who change the game positively. I think if you look at some of our substitutions over the last two tournaments, they haven't actually made a huge positive difference. So that's something that, you know, I'd really like Southgate to, to bring to the fore. Again, injury-wise, I'm going to throw in a little nugget for you. Out of England's last 15 knockout games at world cups okay so this is going all the way back to the 1966 final Mm. i'll I'll ask you to guess how many have gone to extra time so the last 15 knockout games in the world cup how many have gone to extra time
0: i'm going to say a lot i want to go really high i'm going 12.
2: (laughs) nine nine is exactly the right answer oh, have it. you been have you been reading my books what are you doing you know exactly of course i have so, yeah, so, yeah Steve, really i'm a fine. bit disappointed you haven't read the book
0: Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I i always go too high i don't know what i was thinking there of course it wasn't going to be 12 but that in itself was ridiculous isn't it nine out of 15 and it shows yeah. the importance of you know they going right to the way and and that is why I, from, you know, obviously I'm Welsh and I want you to finish runner up in the group. Yeah. Um, but I still want England to do well. And so that is why I personally was encouraged to see Madison included in the squad because I yes. don't believe Southgate fully trusts Jack Grealish. Whereas I think he does actually trust Madison. I think it's more of a personal issue with Madison, more of a personality issue. Mm. But in terms of as a footballer and some of the comments that Southgate has made as well about him being a, a game changer, difference maker. So I think he may well be more prone to bring on the likes of Madison in this instance um, compared to previous tournaments where, yeah, his substitutions were found wanting, frankly. Is this
1: not the first finals with five subs as well? I don't know. Yeah, must be. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, mid-season as well, and the heat, yeah. I think substitutions might define this tournament.
0: And there's going to be a manager who brings on five at once. You just know it. It'll be, you know, like Saudi Arabia or someone, they'll just chuck five on at once and it'll be crazy. (laughs) Um, So, look, kind of digging down into the players, who do you each hope has a standout tournament. And this can mean it in any way you want it to, to you know, to mean it, whether it, you personally want them to have a good standout tournament or whether it's really vital to to England.
1: Um Howard? Oh, any Man City players would be good.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's fair enough, yeah.
1: Uh, well, I'll just start with England and will do the rest, uh, be brief. With England, I'm not that bothered. Forget tribalism. What I don't want is a scapegoat more than anything. Right. I enough, don't yeah. want, this tournament to end with scapegoats for England. I don't care who plays well. I just would like the team to play well. But I would, of course, love John Stones to have a great tournament. Phil Foden, as you say, I'm not sure Jack Grealish will be starting a lot. Mm. Uh, well, Carl Walker to have a great tournament because that would mean he's fit and <laughs> playing. Yeah. Uh, away from that, then, you know, if England don't win it, it would be great for Lionel Messi to win a World Cup, I think. It's one song for him. Ultimately, I'm not that bothered about individual players like some others are. I just hope it's a good tournament, really, with good football. And there's not, you know, I'd like, I'm I'm torn in a way, I'd like a lot of City players to come back from this tournament very early because it's in City's interest. And the bottom line is 16 City players on duty most of them are probably starters. Bizarrely, it might be Rodri, as you know, might have to sit on the bench quite a lot. And if Busquets is still being picked, the vast majority are going to come back very, very disappointed. Perhaps all of them. So, you know, you can't you can't make them all happy. And I hope quite a lot are back early. It's weird. I want them to do well, but I also don't. I'd like City to have a team to put out when they play Leeds on the twenty eighth of December, uh, mm. because we need to win that game. Uh, so. It, yeah, I, I think Lino Messi winning a World Cup would be a nice story. Uh, as long as let Julian Alvarez come on and score the winning goal, though, in the final. And I just want, I would like England to have a nice tournament where there's no scapegoats. And generally, we come out of it with a positive attitude, like we've had in past tournaments.
0: You know, you saying that then has kind of brought it home to me an aspect I hadn't thought of before. I've been thinking about the fitness and the physical side and and players coming straight back from the World Cup back into the kind of, the, you know, the grind of Premier League. But of course, from a psychological perspective, ordinarily, if someone goes out in a semi-final, let's say, in a penalty shootout, mm. they can take themselves off to, you know, kind of Dubai or something and lie on a beach for a couple of weeks and get out of the system. But... This time, straight back into kind of playing lead to whoever it it may be.
1: What what about the flip side? If let's yeah, just use your imagination here. In England, win the World Cup. (laughs) (laughs) Use your vivid imagination. How do those players celebrate that? Yeah, that's true. I mean, we're not going to see them, are we, until next year? Because I don't think <laughs> I don't think mentally they'd be ready to then go and play a league. That's or, true. No, certainly that's not true. Liverpool in the Carabao Cup. But yeah, you've got to think of the psychological side for these players that go deep in the tournament, I don't think they're available until into January. So
0: although we won't be celebrating much in guitar, not a twelve pound a pint anyway.
1: <laughs> well there isn't any now, and there's no alcohol no. in the uh, no. in the stadium, so they'll have to stay away from the stadium <laughs> if they want to get drunk, yeah.
0: and um, Rich England or otherwise, kind of which player would you really like to see have a standout tournament?
2: Well, I mean, you're worried about your 16 players. Palace have only got two: <laughs> who, who <laughs> Joachim Anderson and Jordan Ayew. So um, I'm not. Right. I'm, I don't have the same concerns as you. Anderson's uh, been so good, though, hasn't he? This season, he's yeah. he's a really he's a really good player. And um, Denmark are actually one of the teams I really like to see yes. go for, yeah, for, for lots of different reasons. Um, I've got, I'm going to probably. Curry, your favour here. I really want Foden to have a tournament yeah. because I love him as a player. I, I don't think he's quite reached his peak for England. And no, not at all, no. I, I, I just love the way that he moves and he can get out of tricky situations. And I want to see that for England at the start. Get in there, start getting a good tournament away. And again, I, I do love Jack Grealish. I think he's got something... You know, the X Factor, if we call it that. He can do things that no other players can do. And I agree, I don't think he'll start, but I think he'll come on as a sub. Um, I'm with Howard on Messi. It would be lovely to see it. I've always adored Messi as a player. He just, if you ever watch him in a game, it's amazing how often he just walks.
0: Yes, You yeah. watch
2: him, you, you yeah. keep your eyes on him. He looks like he's on a stroll in the park picking up conkers for quite a lot of the game. <laughs> and then suddenly he's got the football intelligence to know when to go mm-hmm. rapid, you know, picks the ball up. He can beat players yeah. and he can shoot. And he, it would be fantastic because this is his last tournament. You know, I've done a pod for World Cup Nuggets. we looked at every country, the prospects, We've got something called Roger Miller's Last Chance Saloon. There's a lot of people queuing <laughs> to get into it. Lionel Messi is in the Last Chance Saloon, mm. as is Ronaldo. We we don't need to talk about Ronaldo. I don't want to get into the debate, the Messi Ronaldo debate because it's it's well, been not, done not, a not thousand not, no, no. times Please, no. and it's dull. Please, no. um, Clearly, Messi. It's Messi. It <laughs> is Messi. I mean, we're not we're not going to uh, debate this. Uh, so. I've got a list of other players, but I think we're going to go through that uh, a little bit later in the pod about who I'm really looking forward to in terms of young players who are going to impress. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, for England, I'd love to see Foden Grealish uh, perform well. Harry Kane will do what Harry Kane does. You know, If he wins the Golden Boot, again, great. But if you look at the history of Golden Boots, very rarely does the Golden Boot winner play for the team that wins the tournament.
0: Four times out of twenty-one, if I can. Uh...
2: Oh, oh, Steve, you have been reading Thank the book. Well, well done. Yes. Now you have to name them. No, no, no. We're not. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, there, are, there is a, a a lot of me that wants to see Messi finally do it. And and let's face it, Argentina did win. Uh, the copper, the, yeah, you know, they did, and they beat Brazil. You know, in the Maracanã, I know it was empty, but he's got that now. He's got the Copper America. I think if he could just add the World Cup to that, then that would be a perfect end to a brilliant career. I mean, it's an obvious one, um, and the thought been be mentioned,
0: but Hurricane. I think if he. If he's, you know, firing uh an all-cylinders and England have every chance. If he's not, then they don't. So for me, it, it comes down to Harry Kane. Although let's hope that Phil Foden had that Gaza inspired haircut one tournament too early. Let's hope <laughs> that this is his kind of Gaza um World Cup. And he's obviously got the ability, he's got everything at his disposal to do so and make it happen. It would be incredible if Phil Phil Foden had a Gazza in 1990. Type mm, of world, but no, no crying
1: at the end, please.
0: <laughs> Apart from the, obviously the ending, of course, yeah, and subsequently as well. <laughs> Let's see yes. he doesn't. Yes, yeah. Um, okay, well, that's the biggest question of the pod, really, Howard. Who are you tipping to win the whole thing?
1: I think it goes to South America, but I just about side with Brazil. Yes, I'm going for Brazil. Yeah. Um,
0: okay. Well, that's a short. Actually, just before we move on, for you, Howard, any dark horse? Suggestions,
1: yeah, loads, but uh, yeah, I think they're not dark horse really, but they're not quite favourites. Uh, Richard mentioned I think Netherlands will go quite deep, yeah, especially if they win the group. You know, they should get to the quarter, they get this the second team in England's group. Well, if England win, you know, they sh- their group, then they should avoid each other, they should get to the quarters, they've got a good chance of going deep. I think there's Flip flop on this so many times. Uh, just there's some you know the the ones that quietly go about the business are the likes of Denmark and Switzerland. I mean a tough group, Switzerland, <coughs> because they've got Serbia in there as well. Brazil and Serbia are good, so you could pick them instead. But I think people underrate. I mean, I'm not talking about winning it here. I think it will be won by one of the best teams. So dark horses is just I you know I interpret that as someone to go deeper than you expect yeah. them to. There's always a team like that. Switzerland, I think they the good at qualifying out of group stages. They knocked France out of the Euros last year, I think. Yeah,
2: uh, they came yeah. back from 3-1 down, got into yeah. penalties and beat them. And finished above Italy in their group
1: here, which yeah. is why most of the reason why Italy aren't here. Uh, really strong defence. Not very exciting to watch, I would imagine, but... They'll be tough, you know. If you got, as you say tournament football, they're kind of set up for that, and they always, they always just go under the radar and do their business. They could be one uh, that could do quite well, and just a real dark horse, just like even getting out the out their group. I think Canada might surprise. Yeah, that Golden Generation. Yeah. Were, <laughs> well, it is. this is yeah, their Golden Generation. I just gener- hate that for it, honestly. But okay. they or they're in the same group as their uh, Belgium's seventeenth Golden Generation, so. Yeah. Uh, who yeah, I think they, they could get, you know, one of the top two spots in they they did win the North American uh group, didn't they? Uh yeah. they they yeah, they've got a manager who of course been to World Cup with Englishman with their uh, the women's team as well. Uh so he has got experience in the World Cup, just not uh not just not in this form. I think they got some exciting players that could do all right. Though of course, they'll probably be even stronger when they're co-hosting in four years time. So. Yeah, that's fair. Um,
0: yeah. I, I think my tip as a woke up flop is France. I think France you know, can, can start slowly. And I think if they start slowly in this group, um i don't think they're going to get progress or at least top the group so i believe denmark is going to top that group and if they top group d they've got a very decent pathway to final um maybe poland maybe england maybe belgium if you start kind of you know anticipating the knockout games um in one off games denmark can beat all of these so my dark horse tip is denmark and i should say i've I probably anticipated dark horses now in major tournaments 20 times in my life, maybe, 15, probably. I've never got it right. I'm always hopelessly mm. wrong. Um, Rich, who are you tipping to win the whole thing and who's your kind of outside
2: uh, shout? Well, it's really boring, isn't it? But uh, Brazil, I mean, Brazil are favourites every time, yeah. but they haven't won it every time. Uh, they haven't won it since 2002. It's interesting that European nations have won the last four World Cups, which is the first time that would, that you know a continent, let's face it, Europe, South America is pretty much, they, they've divvied up the World Cup between them and you can't see beyond them at the moment. Um, but Brazil, you look at the, their squad and you, you just think, wow. Just take the goalkeepers. Yeah. You know, yeah. Alisson and Edison, you just go, well, how did you choose between those two? Because they're both ridiculously good. And you look at every position and they could put out a second team and smash other other sides so all looks like Brazil 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 but as I say they have disappointed before as we talked about Lionel Messi could he finally crown it with the World Cup and Argentina I think are a very strong bet of the Europeans I agree I think Netherlands you know in a way, wouldn't it be nice if the Netherlands won the World Cup? Cause they, oh, it'd be amazing. It'd you know, they've been bridesmaids three times. Yeah. You know, they, they've they been in the final the most without ever winning one, so it would be good. And, they're, you know, they're a lovely team to watch. They have great players. I want to
1: see Van Hal drunk as well on the
2: balcony. And we want to see Van Hull, well He's in the last chance saloon now, but he's going to do his classic, oh, I'm going to fall over backwards. <laughs> Mind you, he is 71, so, you know, he's got to be a bit careful. Um, <laughs> dark horse. Always interesting, dark horses. Where are the light horses? I want to have a light horse, but um, dark horses, I agree uh, that... As I said a little bit earlier, I would love Denmark to go a long way because of the, you know, the whole Ericsson thing and the way that the team stood up to that. Incredible! I mean, it was horrible. It's one of the worst. It is the worst thing I've ever seen on a football pitch. Watching it, Mm -hmm. Um, but the dignity, the grace, the way that they responded. I and they're a good team. They've got some great players. Damsgaard, I really liked. I'm, I'm quite surprised he hasn't played a lot more for Brentford. Sorry to mention Brentford boys. Um, so too soon. I, I, I would also like to see <laughs> one of one of the African countries, you know, get beyond the quarterfinals. Because only three African countries got to quarterfinals. Well, I'm going to go on to one of the games I'm really looking forward to, which which refers to an African country that almost got out of the quarterfinal. Um, <laughs> As no, I say, really. Senegal, I think, are now in trouble because they were a one Mane team. Sorry, that was a joke. Um, that was a uh, very good joke, actually. I yeah, away. not bad, was yeah, it? Yeah. Uh, Cameroon, Ghana, could they get out? Uh, it's difficult to see. Um, and of the other Europeans, Belgium, as you say, they're on their 55th golden generation. Is it going to happen? <laughs> you know, they, again, you look at their, t- their squad, very talented, but do they have the? Do they have that winning mentality and maybe they're just going to fall short? So, yeah, for me, Brazil are, are the favourites for a good reason, but favourites often don't win. Yeah,
1: I think that yeah. Spain-Germany-Belgium matchup is quite interesting Yeah, because uh, one, of, one of Spain and Germany is probably going to play Belgium in the round mm. of 16. And I can't. I think there's a flop in there. <laughs> Maybe two of those three teams. I'm just I, is it? Richard, do you know Spain have only got to one semi-final in 50 years or something? It's when they won it in 2010.
2: Yeah, I think that's right. And and yeah, they you know had that before 2010. They had that general image of being really good, play lovely football, but never actually make it. Mm. So 2010 scotch that because amazingly. In their seven games, they only scored eight goals, which is, you know, that is economy, isn't it? And uh, <laughs> they won all their knockout games one nil. They only conceded two, which is again going back to the idea you've got to have a good defence. Um, Spain, we all love watching them, but I don't think I don't think they're going to repeat what they did in twenty ten. Um, in terms of implosion. Steve, back to that idea. Yeah? I agree with you about France. I think he, he, that incident where Camavinga took out Nkuku, he's now injured, and there's all sorts of things going on. Yeah. Four know. out of the last five champions in the next tournament, four out of five have failed to get out of their group. Oh, really?
0: Well, I know Spain in 2014, that was a real big one I didn't know it was four out of
2: five Germany last time round didn't get out of their group which was the first time since 1938 so that's quite a while 2010 Italy didn't get out of their group and 2002 Mm. France didn't get out of their group France not only didn't get out of their group they didn't score a goal. <laughs>
0: no, they imploded spectacularly. And, and that was that yeah. big, you know, it was
2: all kicking off, wasn't and it? The
0: bus and it? on a training ground, yeah. And the French
2: do have the facility just to melt. Um, I think Portugal could well do, their considering mate. the issues that they have yeah. with one of their players, who we're not going to talk about. Um, but yeah, France, for me, could be that one. Their group isn't... You know they've got Denmark, which is tough. Tunisia and Australia. I mean, if you're going to have two others in your group who aren't so good, I think I would possibly choose Tunisia and Australia amongst most of the others. Well, so
0: Tunisia very nearly didn't make it, did they? They weren't. Um, no. There's talk of, of them being banned, but um, they're they're really interesting one, Tunisia. I mean, there's so many teams, and of course, this is the same for every World Cup. There are so many teams who are. In the interesting category, teams you're yeah. looking forward to seeing, and you have yeah. no idea whether they're going to be brilliant or or terrible. I mean, Serbia, as you mentioned there, I can't wait to watch Serbia because they've got so much talent, but I don't know what they're going to produce. Japan are the same. Japan could be a real interesting team. Canada, as you say, Howard, mm. you know, it's kind of Alfonso Davies and Jonathan David. Um,
1: even, so- even the hosts, Qatar, because uh, they've had, they're not, They'll have an inferior side, but they've had the preparation.
0: True, I've good for They're acclimatized.
1: they have had training camps. They've been together. Not played huge amount of football either. They're obviously not going to go deep into the competition. But I, who? I mean, you can say this, and now they won't score a single goal in in the group stage. You know, so there are so many that could go all the way or just implode. And I, Portugal, stands out for me because so much talent in that side. But very old man up front that they'll probably feel obliged to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, they won 4-0, I think, last night without him in the side. Very old man at the back as well, who they might want to play. Uh, Pepe, mm-hmm. I don't know if he's 39 now. Uh, but so much talent, but who knows? I'm just hoping Cristiano Ronaldo stinks the whole squad out. Looking by, <laughs> looking by <laughs> some of the footage <laughs> of him walking into training was uh, hilarious, especially with Cancelo, who just was like, leave me alone, go away. Uh, he's... He's really, like, poisoned the atmosphere in a way by, by doing a... It's not about his club. He's just about to go on World Cup duty. It's bizarre timing, and they're one of those that could very much implode as well.
0: Yeah, him going into uh, training and getting filmed in that way just very much reminded me of going back to school um, on the Monday after City beat United 5-1 in 1989. (laughs) Just a whole whole school full of United fans and me just turned up the kind of high. Just very, very unpopular that day. (laughs) Um, We've kind of not run out of time, but we need to kind of conjoin two questions here. So, um, Howard, what games or players are you personally looking forward to seeing?
1: Yeah, I'm going to give you an annoying answer again. Uh, <laughs> this, I think, uh, Richard, were you going to talk about Ghana by any yep. chance? I yeah, I did yeah. read it. Well, I shall leave that one to you. I'm sure you've <laughs> got, I'm sure you've got a story to tell there. Uh, as I say, Steve, I looked at first. I looked at the first week and thought, oh my god, it's actually really boring. <laughs> But then you read, you know, like Argentina, Saudi Arabia. Is it that interesting, really? Yeah. And then you start looking into them. You start looking at the teams, and you start getting excited, even though you shouldn't do, because, you know, I am expecting one of the worst World Cups ever, perhaps. And I think it starts... Obviously, England games are interesting for me as an Englishman, but I think, US, as I say, USA-Wales on the Monday is interesting uh, because there's a lot riding on that. And you've got, like, France-Denmark games like this that where you think could have a huge... There's a lot of games where you think, you know, this could decide second place perhaps, or the team that's in a great place is Croatia, Belgium as well. But of course, Spain, Germany next Sunday, the following Sunday, you know, about nine that's days big, away. Yeah. That stands out of course. Uh, but you've got you know, Brazil, Serbia. There's there's plenty of great games I think. And of course all a lot of the we don't know really what the, the most interesting games will be until we get to round three because then everything's on the line as for players my annoying answer is i probably don't know who they are yet because the great yeah. joy it's harder nowadays That's in the fair. world of internet social media to to play just to emerge from nowhere but there are still tons and tons of players in this tournament i've never seen or seen very little of and the names that, that are going to excite me i probably don't know they exist at the moment that's the joy of watching something like the World Cup is that you see someone and go, "Oh my God, he's amazing!" Yeah, uh, City should sign him. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> a left back, yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, Musiala, uh, uh, yeah, Germany. I think I'm looking forward to seeing. You know, could have been English, uh, but he's German. Absolutely on fire for Bayern, of course. Uh, some right back for Brazil called Danilo. He looks quite useful. Uh, <laughs> Don't know why we ever let him go, but it was for Cancelo. Uh, I see Matty Cash plays for Poland as well. Yes, yeah. <laughs> uh, there's Pedri, I think, would be could have a standout tournament for Spain. Uh, Uruguay just look like fun. Uh, Valverde, for Agreed. example, yeah. who knows what is going to <laughs> go on with them. They're being interesting to one. But mostly just looking for players you know very little about. That's the joy of a World Cup for me.
0: Yeah, that's a good answer. Um, Rich, what kind of games or players are you particularly looking forward to seeing?
2: Yeah, Spain-Germany is, 27th November, has been in my diary ever since uh, it came out. I like Argentina-Mexico the day before. Mm. Croatia-Belgium, one of the last group games on the 1st of December, but we need to get to Ghana-Uruguay. I don't know how many of your uh, listeners remember that game in 2010, but just to remind people, Ghana were going to score a goal in the last minute, and this, uh, this chap called Luis Suarez handballed it, sent off. Ghana have a penalty to get through to the semi-final, as I said earlier, first African nation. Asamo Jayan, who is the top African scorer in the, in the World Cup with six hits his penalty, it clips the top of the bar, goes over. They go to a penalty shootout and they lose. Unfortunately, the, the guy whose header was going to go in and was saved by Suarez is the one who misses the crucial penalty shootout. If you want cruelty, that is it encapsulated. And mm-hmm. Suarez celebrating, mm-hmm. you know, and then, you know, he's got quite a lot on his charge sheet as Luis Suarez. <laughs> That was, you know, pretty bad. We, we know there are a few others as well. Um, so I think I'm looking forward to going on Uruguay. Uruguay, as you pointed out, are a fascinating team. I mean, Nunes is the most chaotic footballer I think I've seen in a long time. He's very quick. I think he's the fastest recorded player in the Premier League this season. Mm-hmm. He is a mixture of awful and brilliant. And you don't know what you're going to get. And with Uruguay, they could be, you know, they could be a dark horse who do really well. But I really hope deep down that Ghana (laughs) beat them in a very controversial manner in the last minute because, you know, they've waited quite a long time for revenge. It's been 12 years. Uh, In terms of players, you mentioned Pedri. I think Pedri could be the player of the tournament. He was brilliant in the Euros, I felt, he's only 19. I mean, he's only 20 and on the 25th of November. Can you imagine crazy being amazing. that young and that good? But he's got this calmness. He doesn't get overexcited. He's a brilliant player. And I think he's he's one of the ones I'm really looking forward to. And I agree with how the great thing about the World Cup is you get to see players you wouldn't normally see. Although there are 134 players from the Premier League going, um, there are a few other uh, leagues out there have got some. The other guy I'd pick out is Mohammed Kudus, who plays for Ajax. Uh, he has been very good for Ajax this season. Scored a couple of really good goals in the Champions League. He comes from the Right to Dream Academy in Ghana, which right. is an interesting story because you know they develop players and then they push them through to Europe through Nordland uh, and he. I I think he could be a great player. And I'm hoping, actually, going back to the Ghana-Uruguay game, maybe he gets a last-minute winner to send Ghana through against Mm -hmm. Uruguay. Um, I mean, there are others. Vinicius Junior, I think, has got a lot to him. Uh, Kamavinga. As Howard says, this is the beauty of the World Cup. This is why we get excited, because we get to see players who we don't normally see. And there are going to be some that we've never heard of, pretty much. And they're going to be great. And they're going to carry, you know, a a lot of people with them. Look at Mbappé last time around. He was exceptional. Again, incredibly young, but very calm, very cool and very brilliant. So, yeah, all all there to be played for. All looking forward to it now. Um, And I know we've got all the issues with Qatar being the host, but uh, I still... And beginning to get quite excited about the World Cup. It's just a question? shame. Ghana are the
1: lowest ranked, aren't they, of the, the finalists, so
2: they are. Which yes. I don't quite understand. Sixty yeah. first, don't they? Yeah.
1: But hopefully they can do something, that would be a great story. So.
2: Do, do
0: what I find quite strange is these kind of breakout players, the ones who you're not really overly familiar with, are always fullbacks. Or at least there's always (laughs) one fullback who you think, wow, he's a stand that player at this tournament. Mm. But for for players, I would just say Zayec is... I'm a huge fan of Zayec, and I think he's utterly wasted at Chelsea. Um, And he scored from his own half yesterday in a warm-up for Morocco. I don't anticipate Morocco to get out of the group, but you've got three games there where I'm anticipating him to do something special in one of those three games. Kevin De Bruyne, obviously a joy to watch, and it's great to kind of... You know, anytime I watch Kevin de Bruyne, I'm watching from a city fans perspective and I'm watching him play for city, where when I watch him for Belgium, okay, there's a slight element of just hoping he doesn't go down injured, but I'm able to just enjoy him, just in a, in the purest sense. Um, so yeah, Kevin de Bruyne as well. Uh, and of course, it's talking about games, 29th of November, Tuesday, Wales v England, 7 p.m. That's pretty much my lifelong ambition. Wales in a World Cup playing England. My God. So that's a biggie for me personally. Um, just going to end on the issue surrounding the World Cup and don't to kind of I include a question about how we feel about it and, and the ethics of it. I want to kind of look at it from the sports washing perspective. Um, have either of you watched the Netflix documentary on FIFA?
2: I have, yes. You I haven't, but you know, I I know quite a lot of the issues that yes. are
1: raised. Richard, I can it, tell you, it's exa- it goes exactly as how you think it will go. Yes,
0: <laughs> but worse. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It's just a, it's been mentioned on the FIFA uh, on the Netflix documentary as a statement of fact that sport washing exists. Now, as City fans, we've discussed this on the pod before whether sport washing exists or how much of an issue it is. Let's move past that. Let's instead just look at. Let's assume that on whatever level sportswashing exists, and that nations, um, you know, by tournaments, sponsor tournaments by football teams, in the in the intention of sportswashing. My question for you both is: How on earth can it be perceived to be a useful strategy when ten years ago? I would think of Qatar as a lovely place to go and lie on a beach somewhere and have a holiday. And quite a rich country. I wouldn't really know much about it. Now I am very knowledgeable about all the atrocities that go on there, all the human rights issues that go on there. How you know, there's a lot of things wrong with Qatar. That's. I'll start with you, Rich. That's the that's the opposite of sport washing, isn't it?
2: Yeah, it has brought focus, as you say, to. Some abhorrent things that go on in Qatar, and and I don't think they're going to change because they've got the World Cup. So, you know, FIFA's decision. Let's face it; was back in twenty ten. Yeah. To give it to Russia, and you know we know what we feel about Russia. My son in law's Ukrainian, so I I have a very bitter hatred of everything Russian, Um, and. Qatar got it at the same time and you know it was almost as though FIFA in their very clever Machiavellian way thought oh well if we get two really dodgy nations through it'll sort of deflect off the, each other and I, I just it just annoyed me so much at the time uh I'd rather the World Cup was played on the moon quite frankly um mm. there's no football pedigree you know, you you talk to people who've been out there, the, the club games get about 200 people. Oh, no. Unless they're, okay. uh, you know, the big, big things. I will say on a football side, sense, as Howard alluded to a little bit earlier, they actually are not a bad side. They won the Asian Cup. They beat Japan in the final. This guy, al Ali, scored nine goals, one of which was brilliant in the final. They, their manager is actually Spanish, Felix Sanchez. He comes from a background of La, Mas- La Masia. You know, they're there and they've been together for six months. They haven't had anything else but camps for six months. They will be the best prepared team. They'll be together. But I just can't stand the idea. They've never been anywhere near qualifying for the World Cup before. Mm-hmm. And the money, I mean, it's eye-watering. £220 billion or dollars, It's pretty much the same now. $220 billion. You know, the most that was spent was Russia, 2018, and they spent something like $20 billion. So times it by 10. They've had to build, basically, a, pretty much every stadium, all within 40-mile radius. Mm. They've had to build the infrastructure. they built a whole city, Lucille City, on the back of this. And then you, you, you look at the tournament, you look at the so-called English fans welcoming the team, you look at the idea that they're going to pay English fans and other fans to say nice things about Qatar. Apparently, now there's no beer. They're going to say, no, you can't. Well, mind you, Budweiser isn't really a beer. Um, the whole <laughs> yeah. Done thing, them a favor there, yeah. The whole thing <laughs> smells really badly. And yeah. if Sepp Blatter comes out and says, this isn't where it should be, then, oh my word, that is kettle black popped all the way in there and it just makes absolutely no sense having this tournament, having it in the middle of a, you know, Northern Hemisphere winter. It's wrong. It's wrong, 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 but it's happening and we have to get on with it.
0: Howard, anything to kind of add to that? I mean, we yes. kind of covered all
1: bases there, but oh, we got... No, no, I totally disagree with Rich. No, not really. Uh, <laughs> I mean, all I would say, just, you know, Devils have it's just one, it stinks. I mean, Qatar, the whole process stinks from beginning to end, from why they got it. They had no, their technical delivery, you know, for their bid was not that good. There were no stadiums, We got to say, They clearly weren't an option. Uh And it obviously was bought. I mean, it's just so obvious it was paid for. It was absolutely paid for. They did two at the same time. Not the first time ever two have been announced at the same time. But a lot of elderly committee members getting two nice paydays before they went off into the sunset there. Yes. Uh, It stinks on three different levels. Why they got it, the workers' conditions causing migrant deaths, and, of course, cultural beliefs in Qatar. And they're all very nuanced. That I'm not going to go on for long, KSD, because... I'm probably ill-equipped to do it very eloquently, and I may take a misstep by talking. The one that stands, it shouldn't be there, uh, but when you go to cultural beliefs, and I speak, their cultural beliefs are alien to me as a wishy-washy, liberal, woke, left-leaning atheist. Uh, couldn't be further away from mine, but there's still been a whiff of colonial imperial coverage of this already in recent days that still leaves me uncomfortable you know in the western press yeah uh, they desperately seeking for stuff to reiterate their views of how terrible that place is you know they are you know, fake fans and all this and it's like i do think it will be one of the worst could be one of the worst world cups ever i'm absolutely against it and let me make that clear and i think the main reason it may suffer you know, apart from the moral side, it's just atmospheres in stadiums. That's what makes a World Cup. You know, it has to be brilliant atmospheres. But some of the people covering it, well, I think would rather, you know, some uh, pot-bellied, tattooed, uh, topless man from uh, Chelmsford th- wellying a plastic chair through a, a cafe window <laughs> would be better than uh, this this fake celebration by fans. Uh, you know, not that they are fake anyway. So I, I do find the coverage of it a bit you know, uncomfortable in a way. Because if you want to put a moral guidance on who can hold the World Cup, then you there are not many countries that can hold it. I that's my only point really. Qatar stinks to high heaven. I think a lot of journalists are feeling slightly guilty that they didn't go on in Russia four years ago and now seem to have to overdo it on Qatar because they got away with it they'd already shot down air players had Putin in power and invaded foreign territories and yet I know I remember very little was said about that i will be really happy if we have some you know if this is the norm now that this is a for FIFA and for how, who gets tournaments that we have a moral backbone to who gets it but as I said I just find it quite uncomfortable that we only do it with certain countries in certain part of the world. Uh, is is the UK under a Tory government allowed? You know, Do we have the moral right to hold a tournament? Every, countries hold these tournaments for the same reason, don't they? They want tourism, they want money in, and they want prestige. Uh, I think the reason... guitar is on steroids, basically, and it's wrong on many, many different levels. But I still think in the future we have to think more about, well, if you're going to judge them you have to judge all future hosts as well. Oh, and and that includes Western countries. Uh, and I almost agreed with something Piers Morgan said yesterday. So, oh, my oh, God. Careful. I've like never it. felt more dirty in my life. How, you are aware we're finishing the pod now. That's going to be the last thing say on the pod. Bloody hell. Yeah, um, I might just yeah, just throw my microphone out the window and never come on <laughs> one again. So, I, well, I just least... hope that it's too late now. We can't do anything. It's here and it's done. And yeah. not watching it doesn't do anything they I say I Qatar, agree with that. Yeah. cultural we 're not going to change their cultural outlook in Qatar that's their cultural outlook in the same way we have it in every every country has it not watching it isn't going to make any difference don't think they're going to change they 're not going to change their outlook and they 're not going to change their beliefs and low t v figures is not going to change anything it's too late now it 's here, and I will put the t v on because I work from home and i 'll just put it on. makes no difference if I do or not. I just hope now that there is some good football because that's all we can hope for. You know, now that we've come this far, so yeah. Well, at least in four years' time, there's going to be no controversy. I mean, Canada.
0: I mean, come on, it couldn't go from one extreme to the other. Canada, there's nothing to dislike
1: about Canada. But um, there's Mexico. You oh, know, Trump's in, in a Trump USA in 2026. Is that okay oh, for them Christ, to? Yeah, yeah. yeah, do we judge them morally, yeah. or do we just judge certain countries? I say with Qatar, it's different because there are other things apart from the culture, the yeah. migrant deaths, the the conditions they're in. But yeah, you can say that about <laughs> UK right now. You know, and other things, it stinks to high heaven. It always has. Let's uh Jack Ward has been indicted and might be can go to US now for trial, which is good. Uh, a decade great, yeah. too late, perhaps. But Infantino himself has got no. He's going to be unopposed when he's re-elected next year. And I think he lives in Qatar now as a resident. So I don't think much is really going to change. Just a transparent bidding process. Well, fingers crossed for 2030. yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you see the Netflix documentary, Rich, the thing that really stood out for me was the, I can't remember his first name, but someone knew Hansen, who's up against Blatter to, to be in charge of FIFA, and he ran an honest, clean campaign and, you know, lost as a consequence, and That was just, you know, red flags galore, even at that early
1: stage. Things were just going to get so, so down and dirty. Um, If if you like a different documentary, the Ronaldo one that was on, the original one, Best Ronaldo, that was an absolutely absolutely cracking one on BBC, I think it was, yeah. Lovely, good show. Do check that one out, it's excellent, yeah.
0: And also check out Richard's book. Richard, where can people get hold of your World Cup Nuggets book and look really clever and impressive down the pub?
2: well uh there's the usual places i mean you might even go into a bookshop now and again i don't know um (laughs) but a what (laughs) yeah i know amazing isn't it uh obviously you can go to the uh get it through amazon you can go directly to the publishers halcyon uh, stroke ockley um uh, and in terms of what's in there there are obviously a lot of nuggets and i thought uh, Steve, did you want me to finish on a couple of nuggets? I mean, I've got hundreds. If, I've got um, hundreds, but we don't have time for hundreds, do we? No. If, if if you've got a couple, that'd be great to to end on. Okay, here's a couple for you. Um, I'm going to give you three actually. That's that's my definition. Mm. So if we look at <laughs> if we look at 2022, 20, the opening game, which originally wasn't the opening game by the way, because I didn't realise the hosts meant to kick mm. off and they shifted it quite late. Qatar Ecuador. Is the first time in World Cup history, because there have been 900 World Cup matches, that two countries ending in R played each other. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, <laughs> love it. Yeah. So that's the way we're going to start looking at <laughs> captain. I, I found this out just the other day. It's not in the book, unfortunately, because I only found it out late. You look at the captains of the last few World Cup winners. This is amazing. This really, when you find this sort of thing out, you have a bit of an epiphany. Yeah. 1986, 1990, Maradona and Lotham Mateus, M's. 94, 98, Dunga and Deschamps, D's. 2002, 2006, 2010, Cafu, Cannavaro, Casillas, C's. 2014, 2018, Lamb and Loris. So 2022 is going to be won by a team with a captain beginning with L. <laughs> So I said France is going to implode, so it's not France. Guess who it is? is There's only one team with a captain, beginning with L. I haven't even talked about them.
0: Oh, right. Okay. Oh, God.
2: Um, He scores quite a lot of goals. Oh, uh,
0: Poland. Yeah, Lewandowski. Ah.
2: So Poland are my tip. Get get your money on them. Um, Final thing. England have got the most goalless draws in the World Cup. They have 11 of their 21 are goalless. They got the first one against Brazil after 100-odd matches of not having one goalless draw. England drew with Brazil, nil all. Um, So looking forward to lots of goalless draws in 2022. Hmm. But I have a good omen for you. I'm going to leave you with this omen. We remember when England won the World Cup. That is the only year up to now of any of the tournaments where the year ended in double-digit, so 66. Right, yeah. What year are we in now? Yeah. 22. A bit, you 22. know
0: what, Rich, I loved the first three, but that's a bit spursy. That's a little bit spursy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> hey, it worked for them for a while, didn't it? It did, it did, it did, to be
0: fair. Yeah. yeah. Richard, thank you very much for that. I really appreciate it. And... Thanks for coming on and everyone going to check out, is it called World Cup Nuggets?
2: It is called World Cup yep. Nuggets and it will always remain being called World Cup Nuggets. <laughs> yeah. Check out the podcast as well. We do a little bit of podcast, not as good as this one, obviously, but um, <laughs> we've, we've covered every one of the 32 countries in sort of 10-minute bites. So it's, it. it's quite digestible. Uh, but yeah, I'd love you to have a look at the book and uh, good luck with that.
0: Well, thank you very much, Rich, for coming on today. No problem. Thanks, Howard. Yeah,
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me on and for hosting.
0: I've really enjoyed it. I've fun. enjoyed it. You're back in the hot seat. And uh, that's a wrap for today, folks. We're off to get a Gareth Bale top knot and eye up some cottages with suspicion. Come on, Wales. <laughs> in the meantime, take care of yourselves, everyone. And we'll see you all again very soon.